I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And on this edition of the show, coming to you live, of course, the day before Arsenal take on Brighton and Hove Albion in the Premier League, hoping to gain some ground on Manchester City. Hopefully they can drop a couple of points, um, if not more, uh, at, of course, uh, Goodison Park earlier on in the day. Um, but we're going to focus on some transfer chat today because a lot of stories doing the rounds, a lot of reports going around, um, some concerning players that we're supposedly interested in, some concerning players that are already at the club and what their futures may hold. So we want to break some of those down on this edition of the podcast. I want to get your thoughts and feelings on some of these stories. I want to try and gauge where you guys are at uh, with regards uh, to these particular reports. And we're going to take some of your questions as well from the live chat. If you are looking for a preview of the game against Brighton and Hove Albion, you can find it on this very channel. It's the last video if you're with us on YouTube. And if you're listening to us via any of the audio platforms, it'll be the last episode in your feed where we comprehensively broke down the game against Brighton. We talked uh, lineup, we talked team news, we discussed Mikel Arteta's pre-match press conference, and we took loads and loads of questions at the end of the show as well from the live chat box. So uh, if you're fancying a bit of a preview, you wanted to get in the mood for tomorrow's game, then do check that out. But for the meantime, we're going to talk transfers here. Uh, big hello to Mark, to Haylor, to Matt, to Junior, to everybody else as well joining us in the live chat at the moment. You'll notice that in the title of this episode, I've asked the question, is Granite Xhaka really going to leave Arsenal this summer? And I've equal, and I've also put a poll in the live chat for you guys to vote on that. So far, and I know it's very early on in the show, and we'll keep this running right until the end of the programme, and then we'll go back and review the results. But 61% of you believe that Granite Xhaka is going to move on this summer. 39% of you saying no. I'm very much in the no camp at this moment in time. We'll come on to talk about Xhaka in a bit. We'll break that situation down. We'll let you know what's been said, what's been reported with regards to the Swiss international that has prompted people to start believing that actually the chances of him moving on this summer are very, very high. We'll get to all of that in a bit. But before uh, we do that, we're going to talk about a player that Arsenal are being linked with at the moment. If you could please leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, all of that stuff, uh, that really, really helps. Um, but without further ado, let's get into this then. Let's break this report down. Now, initially, this was reported by Ed Ahrens, um, who is a journalist who works over, and I'll just check this, but I think I'm going to say he works at The Guardian. Let me just double check that. I don't want to not give him the credit he deserves. There you go. Uh, sports writer uh, and editor at The Guardian. Um, so Ed Ahrens has uh, reported that Arsenal have an interest in the RB Leipzig defender Mohamed Simakan. Um, apparently, the Gunners have sent scouts to go and watch him on a number of occasions. He's appreciated, uh, says Fabrizio Romano. Nothing is advanced or imminent at this stage, but Simakan is one of the centre-backs being monitored right now by the Arsenal board, which is interesting, um, which is interesting because this is not a name that 
I'd heard before with regards to Arsenal potentially being interested. This is not a player that when I kind of, and look, I don't follow the, the Bundesliga as closely as, as maybe I should or as closely as other people do. But what I like to do is keep some sort of rounded knowledge about what's going on in the big European leagues. I do like to kind of keep tabs on on the big stories. I do like to check the results. I do like to watch as many highlights as I possibly can. And I have to say, I knew who Mohamed Simikan was because of who he plays for. But at no point did it cross my mind that he's someone that is on the cusp of joining a bigger club than RB Leipzig. So if I sat there and said that this link really, really excited me, I'd be lying. But equally, the Jakub Kivior link didn't really massively excite me. The Gabriel link at the time when we signed him from French football didn't massively excite me. So sometimes, you know, you you can feel a certain way about a report when it breaks and about a story, but that might not be necessarily uh, a sort of telling sign as to whether or not it will be a good deal. Because the truth is, I don't know enough about this player to be able to tell you, yes, categorically, go out and get him, pay whatever it takes, or no, this guy wouldn't be the right fit. What I have done, of course, since learning of this interest is tried to have a little bit of a look into him. Um, I've read a fantastic piece on the football.london website by our good friend over at the Guna Talk TV, Tom Canton. I strongly advise you to check that out if you want to get a bit more of an understanding as to who Mohamed Simakan is and what he would potentially bring to the table. Um, he's 23 years old. He's made 75 appearances for RB Leipzig. Uh, since joining them. Uh, he scored four goals and nine assists in that time. He's had a few injuries this season, which is not ideal. He started 48% of RB Leipzig's league games this season. He's played 44% of their total minutes in the league competition. What's perhaps a little bit worrying is that he's only completed 90 minutes in two of his club's last 10 league games. So by no means a sort of a sort of real sort of stalwart of that RB Leipzig defence. He is pretty much in and out of the team at the moment. He joined RB Leipzig back in July 2021 from Strasbourg in France in a deal that was worth around about 15 million euros. His current contract with the Bundesliga outfit is due to expire in June 2027. So there's four years on that contract, which means that if indeed Arsenal did have a serious interest in this player and Arsenal wanted to go out and try and make this deal happen, they would have to, you know, come up with an amount of money that would appeal to RB Leipzig. There wouldn't be any of this, well, you know, his contract's running down. We don't know that he's going to sign a new one. We better cash in. There won't be any of that from RB Leipzig because they have him tied down for another four years, which is a long, long time. Now, according to transfermarkt.com, I always say that the valuations on this can be a little bit hit and miss at times, but they do give you a decent sort of ballpark figure to know in your head what you're playing with. And according to them, he's valued at around about 28 million euros, which means he's valued at around 23, 24 million pounds sterling. Um, he can play at fullback or centre-back, but he's predominantly a centre-back. When he's played as a fullback, though, he's been able to show that he does have some qualities in the final third, and he's been able to influence games by getting up and down the flank. Now, when he's played on the flank, he's managed six assists and three goals during that time. So nine direct goal contributions 
I think off the top of my head from what I read, he's played at fullback around about 16, 17 times. So if you think about that, that is actually a, a pretty strong and decent return. Some of his standout attributes are that he wins aerial duels pretty regularly, um, averages 2.16 per 90. And these stats can be found in the uh, brilliant piece by Tom Canton. So if you want to, as I say, understand a little bit more, get a little bit more context around this, then do go over to football.london and check that out. But it seems based on the statistical breakdown Tom provided, the interceptions are a big part of his game too. I love defenders that can read what's coming next, that can understand where they need to be positioned, that can cut out passing lanes effectively and can win the ball back that way. You know, as well as being able to go into duels and, and come out on top, you need to be able to to preempt. You need to be proactive in your positioning. You need to be alert and aware of, of what might be going on around you and be able to step into those spaces. I think reading of the game is such a big thing because football's become so fast and frantic at times. You know, players are incredibly quick now. You know, you you blink for a second, somebody can turn away from you. If you have that foresight to understand what their intention might be, to understand where an opponent might be looking to exploit you, to understand the passing lanes that your opposition uh, are looking to to sort of roll the ball down and, and sort of travel the ball through, then you're one step ahead, right? Which in theory makes it easier to defend and makes you sort of one step ahead in the game and in the duel and in the battle. So that's a really, really important attribute. That's kind of all I know, though, about Mohamed Simakan. Uh, French under-21 international, uh, not yet made an appearance for the senior team. There is a lot of competition in that French team, so that's not necessarily the be-all and end-all. Uh, but this is someone that, if Arsenal were to go out and get, would be in the Kivior mould in the sense of, of a certain age profile, has potential, probably isn't quite there yet, and Arsenal will be hoping that they can take him up to this level. Initial feelings on this are... Is this really what we need? Another project signing? You know, like for me, we we need cover in the central defensive position. You know, they might spend two thirds of the season, whoever it is that you bring in on the sidelines, not playing in the shadow of William Saliba and Gabriel as a pairing. But there will come a time, as there has come this season, where you need to be able to bring in top quality replacements, top quality cover. And when that moment has come, we haven't been able to do that with Rob Holding because he's not been good enough. Now, Simakan is probably more like the profile of what Arteta would want. So I would assume that it wouldn't impact our style as much as Rob Holding came in did. It wouldn't impact our how high we play the line and all of those other things in our sort of pressing game. So in that sense, I can understand why you might look at this and say, it's an upgrade on Rob Holding. But at the same time, is this a centre-back coming in that I go, oh, he's going to compete with Gabriel and Saliba? And the truth is, we're going to be in the Champions League next season. We're going to need players that are competing with one another. We're going to need the competition to, for places to be really stiff, really strong. And we're going to need to be able to change it up very often, you feel. You know, and, and particularly if we want to give... I beg your pardon... Uh, the domestic cups ago, we're going to need to bring in someone that can come in and can compete. And Simakan might be there one day. And as I say, this feels like a bit of a, a project signing, but will he, will he be ready to come into the side next season, into the squad next season and challenge? Because that's what we need now. We need 
challenges. We need people coming in and pushing others for places, pushing others to perform, pushing others to maintain their level and waiting in the wings when anybody's level drops, even in the slightest. Plus, we need to be able to rotate, to be able to protect the legs and the physicality and the, and the fitness of some of our key players as well. So one that intrigues me, I would say, Mohamed Simakan, one that I'm certainly going to be keeping a closer eye on now that I know that or, or I understand based on this report that this interest exists, but not one I'd be running to the shop to buy, if that makes sense. That's that's my personal opinion on this. Now, my view might change over the course of the summer. I might get an opportunity to speak to someone who knows more about him or, um, you know, see more clips of him or, or, or sort of, you know, do a deeper dive into what his progress has looked like over the last couple of years since moving from Strasbourg in Liga and across to RB Leipzig. But right now, does this excite me? No, it doesn't. But he can provide cover at right back, as is pointed out by Pato in the chat. And so when you think about that and you think about the fact that you look at the players Mikel's been buying for that back line, he, he, versatility is a big thing for him. I've said this before, but... You know, Tommy Yasu, centre-back by trade prior to coming to Arsenal, but could play right-back and, and and offers you an option in both of those positions. In Tommy Yasu's case as well, he's even played at left-back when we've needed him to. Ben White, centre-back by trade, brought in, eventually moulded into a right-back by Mikel Arteta, but obviously still has the capability of tucking inside and does so in certain game states and in certain moments. So Mohamed Simakan given that he seems to have a really impressive record as a fullback as well as a centre-back, could be a good fit in that sense. But again, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to put my hands up here and say that my lack of excitement or enthusiasm around this link is, is probably born out of a lack of knowledge around the player more than it is him being a bad player. If I really thought he was a bad player, I'd sit here and I'd say it with chest. I, I couldn't possibly be that sort of binary in my opinion on this because I don't know enough about him um I, I really really don't let's see what some of you guys are saying in the chat about this uh, and then we're going to come on to talk about our other story uh, today um Mark Bevan says let's hope it's not the same scouts who we sent out to watch La Conga and Vieira that's Mark that's a really like simplistic way of looking at it mate like Arsene Wenger was a fantastic manager and achieved unbelievable things at Arsenal Football Club, things that nobody else will achieve. I don't believe, with the way the Premier League is today, that Arsenal will ever go a season unbeaten again. I don't think anyone will ever go this season unbeaten again. That was achieved by Arsene Wenger. That was achieved by a wonderful manager right at the peak of his powers. But People talk about this, the good signings he made, of which there were plenty, but he made a lot of bad ones as well, a lot that didn't work out because that's the nature of football. You can't always predict how well someone's going to develop. You can't always predict at what rate they're going to develop. And so sometimes you will get things wrong. That doesn't mean overall that your recruitment is bad or that your scouting system is bad. Now, Sambi Lakonga for me, is someone that probably doesn't have a future at Arsenal Football Club. But I do think he has a future in the Premier League. I think he's looked okay since he's gone to Crystal Palace. And I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal were able to get 15 or so million for him in the summer. Which then when you think about what we paid for him in comparison to that, wouldn't look like such a bad bit of business. Fabio Vieira, I've still got 
faith in. I, I still want to give him some time because I think that he's come in, hasn't played enough. When he has played, he's played in a midfield that hasn't necessarily been our first choice. If you take Odegaard out and you put Vieira in, you see a different Vieira. You see a better Vieira. So Vieira alongside Xhaka and Partey is a different Vieira to the Vieira that had, I don't know, you know, Jorginho behind him and then, you know, I don't know, someone else on the left-hand side, someone, or or you had Vieira on the left-hand side and you had Odegaard. Like the balance is not quite right. Or, you know, at times we've stuck him on the flanks. I think Vieira still has room to grow and I'm willing to be patient with him because when we signed him, I, I kind of acknowledged, and, and I think Mikel Arteta made this pretty clear as well, that this was a signing with a view to the next two, three seasons as opposed to right now. I think had the league season panned out differently, had the stakes not been as high, had we been able to last that little bit longer in some of the domestic cup competitions, then of course he would have got more game time. Had we gone further in the Europa League, I'm certain he'd have got more game time. So, you know, there are been factors as well as to why his development maybe hasn't continued um, or, or maybe hasn't accelerated at the speed that we maybe hoped it would. Um, big hello to Shabihi, to Ron as well, who's joining us, to Junior, uh, to Matt is there as well. Uh, what else have we got? Halo Mateus just points out, just going back to Mohamed Simakan for a moment, that his, um, his contract situation, the fact that he's got another four years remaining on his current deal, does put RB Leipzig in a really, really strong negotiating position. I, I agree with that. Um, but also it depends on how the players rated by the club as well. Like, I remember in the past where we've had offers for players like, do you remember when we got that offer for Ainsley Maitland-Niles? I remember thinking, he's not that bloody good. Sell him. You know, he isn't that good. Move him on. Because you're probably never going to get that type of offer again. And look what's happened. You know, we didn't take that money when it was on the table. And and we've never been able to even consider uh, recouping that sort of money for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So sometimes you, you'll look at your player and you'll go, I mean, I like you, you're decent enough, but someone's offering 40 million euros here and you are not a 40 million euro player. So a good a good sort of business-minded sporting director or or whatever will go, actually, we're better off taking that money, running for the hills and then using it um, to sort of strengthen the squad in other areas. Um, Michael S suggests that Arsenal could be looking at something like that Manchester City model where they seem to at times now play with four centre-backs uh, with one of them stepping up into midfield. It's been John Stones quite frequently of late and then Ake's been playing at left-back who again originally centre-back by trade. Yeah, I mean, people might say that actually Mikel Arteta is trying to copy what Pep Guardiola is doing and, and maybe we'll see that reflected in his recruitment this summer. I would argue that playing with Tommy Asu at right back from last season meant that Mikel Arteta was probably ahead of the curve in this. He thought that this was something that was viable from prior to us seeing it in Pep Guardiola's side. So what, what tends to happen right now is every every time Mikel Arteta does something, everybody goes, and he must have got that from Guardiola. Guardiola himself has said that there are things that he learned from Mikel Arteta. And I'm not saying that Mikel Arteta is responsible for Manchester City's development and that Pep Guardiola played no part in it or anything like that. But we have to stop assuming that everything that Mikel... And I'm not saying you're doing this, Michael, but generally speaking, we have to stop assuming that every idea that Mikel Arteta comes up with is because he saw Pep Guardiola do it 
or he spoke to Pep Guardiola over a meal and with a nice bottle of red wine and, and, and they exchanged ideas. I think that, you know, we've seen indications that Mikel wants to have centre-back profiled players playing at fullback. You know, we've seen it on the right, not so much on the left, because that's where we've tried to have a bit of balance by sort of offsetting what we're doing on the right-hand side. But Ben White as a right-back is certainly what I'm describing. Tommy Asu the same. And Mohamed Simakan, if he was to come in, would be similar in that vein as well. A centre-back by nature, who I'm sure is, is more comfortable uh, playing at centre-back than anywhere else, but also has that ability to morph into a full-back when you need him to as well, potentially step into midfield as well. Christoph says, do you think this the physical side of the game could be a factor here? I do think Mikel Arteta will want to bulk this team up. I really, really do. Um, I, I really do, because I think... You know, I always think back to what I was feeling after that defeat up at Manchester City and when I was driving back and sort of going through it over and over again in my mind. Like, what was I thinking? What was what was the big takeaways for me? And and there were a number of takeaways that day, but one of the big ones for me was that we just didn't look physically powerful enough to fight back against Manchester City. Now, technically, you're not going to beat them. You know, there are very few teams in world football that can compete with Manchester City on a technical level but on a physical level that's kind of how you level the playing field and I thought we just were lacking that night in both of those departments and I just want to see a little bit more power added to the squad I think you probably need to do that in midfield I don't think it's necessarily a problem generally speaking at right back for us I think Ben White's up to the task I think our centre-backs our first choice centre-backs are up to the task maybe it's a bit of an issue on our left-hand side but we offset that against what Zinchenko brings to the team from a, a sort of progressive passing standpoint and all of those other things. But I do think that if you can find players of a high technical level and they've got those physical attributes as well, then that makes them far more useful because I know people say, you know, football's played it up here and, and all of that stuff. But my God, um, you need to be physical as well. Uh, Mark Bevan, going back to my point I made about Lokonga, he says a two million quid loss is good business. I didn't say it's good business as it is better business than what you'd have thought. It's if I said it was good business, you know what I meant? I, I thought I gave the context around why if you lost two million on Lokonga, it's a much less of it. It's it's a gamble that didn't pay off, but it's not one that's left you completely out of pocket and screwed going into the next transfer window is the point I was trying to make. You have to take risks. You have to speculate to accumulate in football. That has always been the way it has always been the way. Matt G says, uh, do we know how much Simakan would cost? So as I mentioned a little bit earlier on, according to Transfer Market, he's valued at around about um he's, a, he's valued at around about 28 million euros. But that contract situation suggests that RB Leipzig, as I say, will be in a really strong negotiating position. I would imagine that they'd be looking for 35 million euros. I think that valuation of 28 million is quite generous on transfer marks part. And I'm I'm sure that they've factored in the, the contract length in that as well. But as I say, I'm sure there will be clubs who maybe have players tied down in these sort of slightly longer term contracts, but will be aware of what the ceiling should look like and will be actually quite happy to go. Yeah, for that money, we can we can do that deal. I certainly would not pay upwards of 35 million euros for this player. Like you've got to really have 
seen him and and followed him and and tracked his progress for a long long time and really believe in him um to to justify that type of fee for this player looking at his record and granted I'm only looking at his record on the surface of it right because I don't have um the, the luxury of watching him every single week so you know I could be wrong but yeah I just think 35 million pounds would be or 35 million euros upwards of that I'm not I wouldn't go that far personally. But then again, I'm not massively enthused by the prospect of this signing. Again, caveat there because I don't know that much about him, but it isn't one that I look at and I go, oh, or, you know, sometimes we hear names in the summer. This has happened in the past where a name has come up, not really known an awful lot about that player. I've gone and had a little look online and searched them and, and tried to see as much footage as I possibly can in order to try and understand their style, what it is that they bring to the party. And then I look at the stats and I try and sort of draw conclusions from the, their statistical output. I am a believer that stats make up part of the picture, but not all of it. You need the eye test. And sometimes, you know, players can influence players around them based on certain things that they do. And, and you might not always be able to pick that up in, in a purely statistical analysis. So, you know, that, that is something I understand. But often when I do that little bit of a deep dive and I try to work out exactly what this player um, is all about or is, is is sort of comprising of, when I did it this morning with Mohamed Simakan, there wasn't a standout thing. Like there wasn't a standout thing for me. Like scored a few goals, okay. You know, Gabriel scores goals. Saliba scores goals, okay. Plenty of centre-halves have been pretty useful from set-pieces you know, doesn't play every single week for RB Leipzig, isn't a starter in that team uh, week in, week out. As I mentioned earlier, has only played 90 minutes in two of their last 10 league games, only started in 48% of their league games this season. He was that big a talent, you know, taking the injuries aside, which I've looked at, he's missed a few games for injury this season. It doesn't mean, like, it still doesn't add up. Like, he still should have played more, Um more than 48% of their league games if he was only out of the team when he was injured, basically. Uh, Raul in the chat says, um, Simakan's FB ref stats are fire. Maybe that's the case. Um, and, you know, I, I, as I say, if this story continues to rumble on, if we continue to hear more about it, then I'm sure uh, we'll go get someone who knows him inside out and bring him on the show to give us that little bit of a breakdown and an understanding as to, you know, um, you know what Arsenal will be getting. But for now... Um, yeah, for now, um, this is someone that I'm going to sit back and just, and just see how this goes. I'm not going to jump up and down about it. I'm not going to get excited about it. I'm not going to apply loads of pressure on the club from what I'm saying. Not that it has any knock on effect, but I'm not going to drum up this kind of hype around this player that I don't really, that I don't really know enough about to get excited about, if that makes sense. But anyway. Um, I digress. Look, I'm going to take a very, very short pause. Don't go anywhere. Uh, quick message from our sponsor. And then we're going to talk Granite Xhaka. What on earth is going on with Granite Xhaka's future? Will he even be here at the start of next season? We'll get into all of that in just a minute or so. 
Don't forget the Chronicles of Aguna podcast is sponsored by the good people over at NordVPN, the virtual private network service that unlocks a host of benefits for you if you are a regular internet user. You'll get added protection, of course, when surfing the web, and that is really key this day and age, given how much cybercrime is on the rise. Uh, you'll also be able to access, able, able to access uh, streams, uh, movies, uh, TV shows, films, subscriptions, whatever you want. Um, things that aren't typically available in your location. Uh, you'd also be able to save money by booking flights via NordVPN, changing your virtual location to somewhere else in the world. I often use it to watch TV from abroad on iPlayer, um, on, on their equivalent of iPlayers in whatever those countries are, because I can't act. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Just that stuff in the U.K. So for me, Greek TV, how do I watch it? Well, I can't get it here. I can't get Greek cable here in London. So I access the programs and shows that I want to watch via the iPlayer of the respective channels. But to do that, I need to set my virtual location to Greece or Cyprus, which is something that NordVPN allows you to do. It allows you to set your location to wherever you want in the world, which is amazing. And it opens a whole load of doors if you're surfing the web for your content. www.nordvpn.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. The link is in the description. That is where you need to go if you want to sign up. Uh, you'll be able to get a huge discount uh, by going via our link, as well as four months additional uh, at the end of your plan. Uh, so it is a worthwhile investment. It costs the price of a cup of coffee, co cup of coffee, cup of coffee per month. What is going on today? You wouldn't think I work on the radio. Um, yeah. Anyway, it costs the price of a cup of coffee per month. And uh, and I'm sure you'll agree that the benefits are well worth it. Check it out. NordVPN.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. The link is in the description. If you've got any questions on the service or how it works, then please do reach out because I'm a regular user of this. So this is not just one of those. Somebody's come along and said, hey, we want to sponsor your podcast. Read this spiel out. This is something I genuinely use and genuinely believe in, which is why we agreed uh, to put it on the podcast. And I promise you uh, it is uh, it is worth your while. Check it out. Link in the description. 
Okay, after um, I made a mess of that read, we're back. <laughs> it wasn't a read. I'll be honest with you. I left my notes inside on this particular topic, and um, I was just kind of repeating it from memory, and obviously I screwed it up a few times, but hey, it's a problem when you do the podcast live, right? Anyway, uh, Luman says, are you the most positive Arsenal fan channel content creator? No, I, I wouldn't put that label on, on anyone. I think, you know, what? good content creators want to do and, and try to do is is be honest in their opinions. Some people are naturally more glass half full than glass half empty. Others are the other way around. And and you get that blend of, of sort of different um different content coming out. That's what's brilliant about the sort of podcast YouTube space is that you can access a load of different opinions and and sometimes it can influence yours and it can shape yours. What I like to do is take the bits that I agree with from each, the bits that I disagree with, you know, compile that all together. And, and that helps me, in in my opinion, being formed. But at the same time, I think you always have to have your own starting opinion. And, and you uh, that might soften. Your stance might soften based on something you heard. It might become even harder based on something you heard. So, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that comment, but I, I wouldn't put that label. Um, on on me uh matt g says i only tune in for the hype harry tell me he's gonna be the next saliva i wish i could mate um i wish i could but i just yeah i i um i just i just don't know enough about him to be able to jump on on the hype of this one uh to be honest with you uh what else have we got um raul says us gooners are used to heartbreak with transfers now um, the hope doesn't kill us anymore. That's true. That's true. Uh, Halo says, Harry, during this year, Arsenal have clearly taken another step in quality and is on another level. How many players do Arsenal have that have the Champions League level or can progress to it? So I think the, the interesting thing about this team and the, the most enjoyable thing about this team and sort of watching their development is that you know that there's still more to come. Uh, you look at Saka, you know there's more to come. You look at Martinelli, you know there's more to come. Odegaard, you know, the centre-backs, um, Ben White, Ramsdale, there's, there's a large proportion of that side that you look at and you think they're still on an upward trajectory. There's a few players in there that maybe you're going to have to upgrade on, particularly in the squad. We've established that and I think we can all agree on that. And that's what it's about doing now in um, in sort of uh, in the summer. Progression can be based on the coach as well. And I think Mikel Arteta has progressed as a coach. His tactics now, in comparison to the way we used to play when he first came in, are very different because as the team's developed and, and become more his own, he's been able to implement more of his own ideas. Maybe he had certain ideas at the beginning that he's realised aren't good ideas and don't work anymore. And um, and yeah, so, you know, we're going to have to see... Um, we're going to have to see where we're at next season, but I'm excited about it. I, I really, really am. And, you know, I, I keep saying that we need to add to the squad and I really do believe that we need more strength in depth. We need more quality in and around the club so that we can compete on multiple fronts. Because if you want to be a really, really top club, you have to be able to compete on multiple fronts. So I do believe that we need to do business this summer. I do believe that we will do business this summer. I just want us to do the right business. And, I also want us as a fan base to be realistic and to remain grounded because there have been times in the last few seasons, I think, where we've gone, oh, you know, like we're going to spend £300 million this summer or or whatever. And it, that's very rarely the case, you know. Um, Champions League, 
sort of being back in the picture obviously helps from a financial standpoint, which is great. But also we've spent money that we didn't have really in terms of what we were bringing in over the past few years, which suggests to me, as I keep saying at some point, that that spending will just be scaled back a little bit. So just be wary of that as well. Maybe not this summer, but certainly in, in the summers to come, I would argue, once that squad looks a little bit more like the one that you feel could help us for the next three, four years. And listen, in football, you can't stagnate. You have to keep moving. You have to keep progressing. You have to keep improving. Um, but there will come a point if you build a really strong side of the right age profile where you're looking at the summers and you're going, right, I need one or two players, as opposed to three, four, fives and sixes. And that's where you where you want to get to. Um, Let's talk about this Granite Xhaka thing. Let's do that. Um, let's let's take a very brief pause and then let's do the Granite Xhaka thing because this has been baffling me over the last few days. It really has. Okay, let's do it then. Granite Xhaka, Arsenal's Swiss midfielder. The man who was a, a very unpopular figure not that long ago, but all of a sudden... Has, um, has turned into one of our most important players and one of our most liked players by the fans. I think the story, the way he's turned it around has really sort of, I think, you know, impressed people. It's impressed me. I mean, I always respected Granit Xhaka and I got a lot of stick for that uh, on this channel in other places for kind of defending him, for suggesting that he wasn't the biggest problem at Arsenal and that there were other issues that needed addressing first and foremost. And the fact that we've been able to progress so much with Granit Xhaka being a really important part of the team still, and one of the first names on the team sheet still proves my point that there were other things that were were worse and, and needed improving quicker and, and needed looking at first before we started to sort of pull apart Granit Xhaka. Over the last week or so, there have been a number of reports linking Granit Xhaka with a move away from Arsenal. First, it started with the Bayer Leverkusen uh, chat. There was a report coming out of Germany, which suggested that Bayer Leverkusen have a real serious interest in Granit Xhaka and were putting together a package in an attempt to try and prize him away from North London this summer. Now, when we looked into the details of that and we started to break it down and we, we came to the understanding of A, what Bayer Leverkusen felt was reasonable to pay, which we know was you know, below 20 million euros or whatever it was that was reported by one of the outlets. The more I started to think, well, is this actually worth it? Now, people always say, well, look at Granit Xhaka, though. He's 30. You know, you've got to move him on. This is the time now to move him on. I just think that Granit Xhaka is a player who throughout his career has been questioned about his mobility. Can he move across the pitch quick enough, et cetera, et cetera. And often the answer has been no. And therefore he needs to play in a different role or in a different team or in a different league, people have said. What we've got now is that we've got a player who has found or, or has been put into a position by a manager who understands much better than any of those prior to Mikel Arteta at Arsenal what Granit Xhaka's strengths are and possibly what his weaknesses are. And he's moved him higher up the pitch, whereby he's not as exposed and he can actually get on the ball and do the things that he is good at doing. He's scored plenty more goals this season. He's contributed plenty more assists this season. His game has gone up a level, but it's not because he's become faster and it's not because he's become sharper. 
Granite Xhaka has always been in tip-top condition. A lot of the time we say that the best ability is availability. And Granite Xhaka has never really let us down in that sense. So he has been a vital member of this team because, as I say, he's been put in a position that works better for him and we've got the best out of him because his attitude is right, because he's one of the leaders within the dressing room and because he's bloody fit most of the time. Why would you want to move that type of player on this summer? Why would you want to actively push him out the door? So what? You want Declan Rice? You want Moises Caicedo? Fine. Why not have them and Granite Xhaka? Isn't the whole idea, isn't the whole point to build on this group? Not to dismantle key elements of it and try and replace them because there's no guarantee that those replacements are going to come in and do exactly the same job. There will be matches where Granite Xhaka will be better suited. There will be times where you want to play with two sixes. And so if you've got Declan Rice and Thomas Partey, happy days, that works. There will be times where you want to play Declan Rice and Jorginho. There will be times where you're quite happy to play with the one number six. And so Granit Xhaka can play in the side in that left eight position further up the pitch. There is, you know, there is, um, there is no reason to push Granit Xhaka out the door. Now, if somebody came along and said, here's 40 million euros for Granit Xhaka, and you look at his contract situation and you look at his age and you look at what you're hoping to do in the summer, you might think, okay, we'll take this because that makes business sense. Fine. But if you're talking 10, 15 million euros, what the hell is the point? Like what the hell? That is not going to make any significant difference to the business that you're able to go out and do this summer and you've weakened the squad because who's going to be the backup to whoever comes in and my god we've learned this season that having good backup good strength and depth is really really important and I keep bleating on about it but it's going to be even more important next season when we're back in the Champions League letting Granite Xhaka go for a minimal fee for a nominal fee makes zero sense from a business perspective whatsoever and makes zero sense from a footballing perspective whatsoever. So I hope that Arsenal don't do this. But what we've heard in the days since those initial reports is that actually it's Granit Xhaka that is potentially driving this, that Granit Xhaka is considering moving back to Germany, would prefer to be there, would prefer to have his family grow up and live there. You know, these are these are very, very different rumours. These are very different reports. But what I found interesting is the pivot in the stories over the space of a few days. So initially it was Bayer Leverkusen want to come in and Arsenal are quite happy to sell. And now by the end of the week, it's actually Granit Xhaka wants to go. Well, let me tell you this. I'm not criticising those that have put these stories out. One of them is my colleague at 90 Min, Graham Bailey, who I respect a lot. He says... Granit Xhaka has backed away from Arsenal contract talks. The Swiss has enjoyed an excellent season, but with the midfield um, high cost slash profile reinforcements on their way this summer, he is considering his options. So what Graham's saying is that Granit Xhaka is driving this, is leading this, is, is considering leaving. And Graham's not the only one that's reported this. This has come out from uh, another couple of um, another couple of outlets as well, uh, another couple of journalists. But We've heard this about Xhaka in the past. So it's not that I'm I'm disrespecting those who are, 
who are putting these stories out or these reports. But my personal opinion on Granite Xhaka's future is that I'm not going to speculate too much. I'm going to sit back and watch how this pans out. Because for each of the last two summers, if we believed the reports, Granite Xhaka had left. He'd been, he was gone. It was done. You know, there was Roma. What happened with the Roma situation? He, had, he said that he was flattered by the interest, but nothing ever materialised. Roma weren't ever willing to pay the money, it seems. And so there was no decision ever to be made. You know, and, and I find it hard to believe in my heart of hearts that Granit Xhaka, who's been through this absolute shit show of emotions at Arsenal, ups and downs and struggles and, you know, and now is playing his best football for the club, probably the best football of his career. I find it really hard to believe that while Arsenal are on the upward, he's on the upward. He would now of all times think, yeah, I've got to get out of here. This is the time to go. Wanting to leave on a high. I've heard some people suggest that might be the case. I don't think so. I don't see Granite Xhaka as that type of person. He wants to go the full distance. He wants to achieve something with this football club. He wants to be able to look back on his Arsenal career and, and say, I've rode the shit, but it was worth it. He wants people to say that Arsenal won X, Y, and Z with Granit Xhaka in the team because of all the crap that he's had to deal with in the past. He is that type of character. And, and I can relate to that because I'm like that as well. If someone says I'm no good at something, I want to prove them wrong. And I would do everything within my power to prove them wrong. I'm really competitive like that. So when people were sort of misunderstanding Granit Xhaka and being very critical of him and sort of talking about his his attitude and his mannerisms, I could... I could relate to that a little bit. So I kind of understood where he was coming from. And I think that someone who's been through what he's been through will be desperate to shove it back down people's throats that I won this at Arsenal. He ain't going to leave. He ain't going to leave. He doesn't need to leave now. He's 30. He's not 47. You know, Granit Xhaka, the way he plays, he could go to 35, 36 at a very good level. So, yeah, um, that's where I'm at on on this. Um, but as I say, the, the the reports coming out over the last sort of few uh, days have suggested that actually Granit Xhaka is stepping back. I wonder if this is a bit of a ploy from his representatives to try and get him a better deal at Arsenal Football Club. Let's have a quick look at his deal because he signed one not that long ago. And again, that came after he'd been sold, apparently, during the summer, according to a number of reports. So you've got to be careful of this stuff. But he signed uh, a last the last deal on the uh, 23rd of August, 2021. His contract expires June 2024, so at the end of next season. But the club have the option of one more year. So technically... Arsenal have two years remaining on Granit Xhaka's contract. So this isn't as urgent a situation as is being suggested by some as well. That's another thing to consider when kind of assessing this and breaking it all down. I asked you guys in the live chat when we started the show, do you think Granit Xhaka will leave Arsenal this summer? 48% of you say yes, 52% of you say no. So the majority of you, slight majority, albeit, believe that Granit Xhaka will remain an Arsenal player. And at this moment in time, I believe that too. I haven't seen enough to suggest that he is definitely on his way out. Um, you know, and, and, and that's where I am on this. So, yeah, 
I'm not I'm not panicking about this. I think we need to build on Granite Xhaka, not replace him. And I hope that Arsenal will um, will do the right thing here. And I hope that Granite Xhaka wants to stay because he's become a really, really important part of this team, a really important part of the culture. And um, and he's clearly one of Mikel Arteta's lieutenants. He's spoken so much, hasn't he, when he did that interview about setting the record straight and various other things, so much about the influence that Mikel's had on him. Why would he want to leave that? You know, why would he want to leave that? And I'm sure Mikel Arteta hasn't gone into a room and said, here, granite, mate, um, I'm going to bring in Declan Rice. I'm going to bring in Moises Caicedo. So listen, you know, you're probably not going to play next season. There is no way that that conversation has gone on. This is Granite Xhaka's people looking at what's going on at Arsenal, looking at all the links, which are only links, by the way. We haven't signed any of these players that we're talking about. And going, well, you know, this is an opportunity to make a bit of a story, try and get ourselves a better deal for our man. So I think that's probably more like what is actually going on. Um, Shabihi says, for years, I could never figure out what Xhaka's best attribute was. I wanted him gone. And now I can't see the side without him. But if he's not up for the future and challenges from inside the squad, then bye. But this is what I mean. These are just reports that he's he's considering a move away. We haven't got any real evidence of that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Matt says, I'm confused by the split in the fan base with this Xhaka thing. We'd get maybe 10 million for him in the summer. He's a great player to have in the team. Have Jorginho step in for Partey has been great. Yeah, agreed. Luke says, um, this summer is the last opportunity to get a decent fee for him. If the price is right, I'm selling. Yeah, but it depends what the price is right. Like It depends what the right price is, I beg your pardon. Because... If you're only if you're, you're only worth what someone's willing to pay, right? So you can sit there and I can sit there and I can say he's worth 40 million pounds, 50 million pounds at his current level. And someone else will say, well, I'll pay 20. Well, then how is he worth 50 if the only suitor out there who's shown any serious interest is willing to pay 20 million euros? And then you've got to factor in what it's going to cost to bring someone else in to play that role. Okay. And this was a bit like the Inketia thing, right? When people were saying that his contract renewal put him on a salary that was too big, my response to them was, okay, so it's a bit excessive in terms of the weekly wage based on what we believe. But at the same time, how much is it going to cost you in total to go out and bring in another striker to come in and do that job? And the same applies here. You let Granit Xhaka go and you bring Declan Rice in, you still need cover for Declan Rice. And if you're only going to get 20 million for Granite Xhaka this summer, are you going to be able to go and find good enough cover for 20 million? Bearing in mind what, for example, Sambi Lekonga cost. So you have to offset what you think you're going to get to what you think it's going to cost to replace. And then you have to decide whether it's worth losing 20 million to have Granite Xhaka or, or not getting that 20 million. You're not losing it because you never had it in the first place. But you have to decide whether that 20 million is worth more than having Granite Xhaka in your squad for another two seasons until his contract runs out. And I don't think there's a club out there that will pay enough money for Granite Xhaka to make me believe that it's worth just pushing him out the door right now and um, and trying to move forward. I think he's a, a good player for us right now, arguably in our top three most consistent performers this season. And I think he will continue to be that or maybe more of a squad player moving forward. But even still, because of the competitions we're going to be in, because of the volume of games we're going to have, 
I think he can be a real asset and someone and he's someone that we should look to keep hold of. Faluso says, I agree with your point, Harry, but will Xhaka agree to be a squad player and be on the bench? Is that what he's used to? Well, there you're going to learn if Granit Xhaka really wants to stay at Arsenal and really cares. You know, you want to play for a top club, you're going to have to compete for your position. It's just the way it goes. And um, and and I think, you know, if he turned around at that point and said, no, nope, I'm not happy with that, then fine. It's a different story. But Granit Xhaka, for me, has shown incredible professionalism. He's He's been unselfish at times during his Arsenal career. He's played in positions that he didn't want to play in. He's played at left back, for God's sake. He's done all sorts of jobs. He's sacrificed himself quite a bit. And so I don't think that this is... Um, that big a deal or, or that big an issue at the moment. Uh, Paul James says, nothing about this story makes sense. He's playing well. He's trusted by the manager. He's a starter and his family seems settled, but he wants to leave. What the fuck? Arteta wants him to stay and most fans do too. It's crazy. I think that too. I think that too. Uh, Matt G enjoyed my um, Granite Shaka, uh, Granite Shaka, Mikel Arteta impression. Uh, Granite, mate. <laughs> yeah, he certainly wouldn't have been like that from Mikel, would it? Uh, Tailwood says, this is the problem with fans. Journalists make reports and fans form opinions on these reports as if they are facts. Journalists know fans will believe anything, so they keep making up reports. Again, let me be clear. Like, I'm not suggesting that these guys have made it up. I've always said to you guys that a, a journalist is only as good as the information that they receive in a lot of instances. And, um, you know, sometimes they could be left with egg on their face. Other times they'll get something spot on. Um, I'm not criticizing anyone that's put this report out, but to me, it doesn't make sense. Like, and I always say to you guys that when you're trying to navigate this transfer window uh, frenzy, if you want to call it that, the first thing you have to do when you're trying to decide whether you want to lose your mind over a report or not is put it through the common sense test. And and does this make sense? To me, it doesn't. Now, I know the, the angle that it's being packaged up from is an angle that says, well, actually, Rice is coming in maybe Caicedo could be coming in. Zubimendi is another one that's been linked. Arsenal are linked with some really good midfield players, which means there won't be a place in the squad for Granit Xhaka. So from that angle, it makes sense. And I get that's where people are coming from. But I think we're short in midfield. So in bringing in a midfielder of a high calibre, we're not going to end up with an overinflated midfield or too many players or an excess of midfielders. You've got to consider we're back in the Champions League next year as well. What you're going to end up with is the right level and the right balance to be able to give Granit Xhaka a break when he needs one, to be able to give Thomas Partey a break when he needs one and manage his fitness, to be able to maybe even give Martin Odegaard a break from time to time. We're not at capacity yet in midfield. If we were at capacity and we were still looking to add, you could understand why some midfield players would look at it and go, yeah, you know what? Um, I, I'm not going to play here, am I? It's, it's time to go. But we wouldn't even be at capacity with one midfielder coming in of a high calibre. And I know people are saying, oh, Arsenal might go and get Caicedo and Rice. I really struggle to believe that that is likely. I really don't think we're going to get both of those. It probably will be one or the other for me. Uh, Raul says, Harry, would you sell Emil Smith-Rowe for £30 million in the summer? It's an interesting one. Um probably not 30 but I'd probably come to the table at least and open negotiations and discussions because I know we're basing it on a season that's been really difficult for him with injuries but I'm just looking at that team right now and I just don't know where he fits 
Like, I don't think he plays the Granite Xhaka role. I, I know people keep saying he's training there and he's not going to give you the defensive cover that Granite Xhaka does because it's not in his nature. And he's right-footed as well, which means he's going to find it harder to slot in at left-back sometimes like Granite Xhaka does in certain phases of play. I, I don't know. To me, um, to me, it all depends on on where Mikel Arteta and his staff are at with regards to Emil Smith-Rowe. Do they put what's happened this season purely down to the injuries and the fact that the rest of the team's been performing, which hasn't allowed him the space to come in? Is it a fresh slate from next season? It probably is, um, in which case they'll want to keep hold of him. But every player has their price. And... Um, and considering we've done so well without him this season, I think that works against him in this particular argument. Like, is he worth selling this summer? Because we've seen that we can do it without him. And I wouldn't have said that 12 months ago, which is interesting, isn't it? It just shows how quickly things can change in football. I, I don't want to sell him, though. I don't, I don't want to sell anyone um, of that sort of profile. I love Emil Smith-Rowe. You know, I've always thought he's incredibly talented. I don't want to lose Granite Xhaka either. Um, I, I want to see us add add depth, add strength in depth, add quality and take this team to the next level, not lose players that are of a, of a high calibre and have shown us that in the past and who still have the potential to get better and better and better. Okay, guys, I am going to leave it there because um, I'm going to go sit down. I'm going to watch the, um, the game between Leeds United and Newcastle. That's going to be tasty, isn't it, this afternoon? It should be very, very interesting. Can't wait for that. Um, and yeah, um, I'll leave you to it. We'll be back tomorrow evening. Looking back on the game against Brighton, I'll be down at the Emirates Stadium for that one, covering a game uh, for BBC Radio London. So I'll be across that one uh, throughout. And of course, I'll bring you the post-match player ratings on the Another Slice platform for those uh, that are signed up as members, um, sort of as close to the full-time whistle as I possibly can. And then in the evening, when I return back home, we'll do the full podcast right here live on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you all very, very soon. Enjoy your Saturday. Hope you've enjoyed the transfer chat. Leave a like on the way out because there's loads of you watching, but we've only got 48 likes on the board, which just isn't anywhere near good enough. Like, 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 subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And if you're listening on audio, well, then please do leave me a review. I'll see you all tomorrow. Until then, happy Saturday. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.